and welcome back to the latest and greatest episode of the Shaving Points Podcast. My name is Jaden May, joined as always by my co-host Quentin Crisco. How are we doing tonight, Quentin? I see seven reasons right there on the screen to be just very happy with life. Yeah, you had a killer, killer weekend. Me, not so much. My name is Quentin Crisco. You can find me on Twitter at Buckistats. We are the Shaving Points Podcast. Go follow us on Twitter. All our picks will be out there, including the late picks that we will add on, you know, maybe Sunday morning, maybe Saturday night. You can find that at shaving underscore points. That's PTS underscore pod. Make sure to go check out our website for all our content. That's shaving points.com. Absolutely. So go through our site real quick. Um, yeah, I bet on Philadelphia. I said it last week. I was like, best team in the league versus the worst team in the league. Give me the best team in the league, cover the points. They didn't do it. Um, I thought we would get a bounce from maybe at some point. And Minnesota, Washington, Minnesota got nothing done the entire game. And somehow won it at the end. So over 43. Uh, it was close at the end. If I would have got a like, couple of touchdowns at the end, we might have hit that over. But yeah, it was just. Bad, bad for the beginning. And then Arizona, I thought D-Hop coming back, I was like, they're not actually going to lay down. They're going to win some games this year. I, th- I thought Seattle was the better team, but Arizona at home after already losing to Seattle, I thought for sure Arizona would come out and win that game last week. So, yeah, just four losses right there. Uh, I did hit my Atlanta pick. Uh, they were up 17. They literally gave the game away, uh, picked up a fumble by Austin Eckler. Uh, were nearly in field goal range, and the dude just dropped the ball and gave it back to the Chargers all within the same play. Uh, that was Atlanta going full Atlanta, but still covered three and a half. That hook saved me. Tennessee, easiest bet of my life. I, I called it last week. I was assuming Ryan Tannehill was going to play, so I actually didn't bet this one, but I, sh- I should have just trusted my gut. Uh, Tennessee gets up for these games. They're just a hard-nosed football team. They're going to go out there. They're going to slug it to you. And Tennessee, who started out 0-2, are now, I think, number two in the AFC right now. So, yeah, I mean, this is what they do every year. They start slow, and then all of a sudden, tractor Cito season comes around, and then they get rolling. And then before you know it, they're 8-3, and three, and you're like, how, are, how is this team 8-3? and three? Uh, It happens every year. And then the easiest bet of the week, we – we went into easiest very much year. detail. Easiest bet of the year. Miami versus Chicago over 44. Uh, I actually think this one was like 47 and a half whenever it closed. So, yeah. I mean, we, we were on it super early. Still way over. <laughs> yeah, and it still went way over. Justin Fields is that dude. I mean, and then you already know about the Miami squad. I mean, Tyreek Hill doing his thing. Jalen Waddle doing his thing. Jeff Wilson, who I said last week would be more impactful to that team than Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb looked good. Jeff Wilson goes out there, uh, 12 carries, 57 yards, uh, three catches for 37 yards and a touchdown. Absolutely game-changer for that offense. A little change of pace with Raheem Mostert. He has that relationship with Mike McDaniel. Jeff Wilson's going to be an absolute game-changer for that Miami offense, which is already one of the best offenses we've ever seen. Tyreek Hill, over a thousand yards for the season already. Uh, he, his his pace right now is like, forget about breaking single season records. It's shattering and demolishing in them. 
if we were still in a 16 game season and then you include the fact that we're in a 17 game season he's doing things that are unfathomable right now so yeah that miami offense is just stupid the fact that that game was at and closed it like 47 and a half is so stupid but yeah easiest bet of the year absolutely i mean you've talked about it enough already but just it was clear. I was a little bit nervous about the wind, actually, after seeing the Ohio State-Northwestern game on Saturday. I was like, oh, no. Was, was that a rat line? But the wind calmed down, and they were able to play a good game. Uh, I had Seattle money line. Easy win. A little bit of sweating in the first half, but it ended up being pretty yeah, easy I've, in the end. I, I That was one that I should have known. I knew Seattle was the better team. I just thought... And I mean, D Hop looked good at the beginning, and then they just couldn't get anything going after that. But yeah, Seattle, Seattle's playing so well right now. Like uh, that, that was just stupid by me. I mean, I'm, uh, I'll, I'll hold on to that, my comment. Uh, then I had Jets plus fourteen. This is one that I was a little more nervous about going up to Buffalo, but I thought that defense would be enough to hang in there, and yeah. it was enough to win with paired See, with the Josh was- Allen injury. That was one that was one where I should have trusted my gut because that was a bet that I loved, but I didn't take it because I was like, it's Jets Bills. I was like, it's Jets Bills. I love the Jets, and I'm going to bet this game, and I'm going to be the idiot that bet the Jets versus the Bills. I should have done it. I should have hopped on with you. I love the bet. I knew I loved the bet, and I didn't do it because it was Jets Bills, and Sometimes you just have to get out of your own way and just, you can't win if you don't play. It's number one rule of gambling. You can't win if you don't play. And that was, that was one for me that I love that game. I love that line. I loved everything about it. And I didn't freaking do it because it was Jets Bills and one of my biggest regrets of the weekend. And then next up here, I told y'all last week, I thoroughly believed it. Vikings are frauds. They Very looked much. awfully fraudulent going up to wherever that stadium is near Washington, D.C. Rajon, Maryland. There it is. Uh, Detroit plus three and a half against Green Bay. I did not have the balls to hit the money line. I wanted to, but three and a half is just a sweet number to get. And I said, I'll take the money on that. Um, it's another one. Chargers uh, money sure line. Not. Yeah. I mean, we didn't. I didn't sleep on them, but I, yeah. I didn't buy them either. Kind of slept uh, on them. Yeah, just uh, took a little, little cat nap on them. And then Chargers money line. This was a late ad for me on Sunday morning. I got it at like, what was it, minus one twenty-five or something. And yeah. I just figured they'd go into Atlanta and find a way to win. I didn't know if they could cover. The spread was like three, two and a half, I think. And I, I one, I hate that number. Two. Yeah. Uh, I mean, or actually, no, actually, on the favorite side, I like two and a half. Duh. Um, but I think it was three. I think it was three that they had to cover. And I was just, I, I thought it, it's going to push. So give me the money line. That's that's decent enough odds for me. And I, they won by three. It would have been. So <laughs> I'm glad I hit the money line yeah. there. And then under. Shouldn't have. Buffalo, they, tried, yeah. they tried to lose that game 17 different times. Good Lord. Yeah. And then the under 46 and Buffalo versus Jets. I just thought this was going to be a defensive game with the way the Jets have been playing. And Buffalo's got an outstanding defense themselves. It would just be a question of 
where the Jets could hold Josh Allen under like 30 points and they went in there and won. So, yeah. No, uh, yeah, there was a bunch of those bets that I liked. I just didn't do that. I just regret, uh, my indie, my Minnesota over both of those. I didn't even love last week, but I was like, they just make sense to me in gambling. I was like, New England hasn't looked great this year. And then I was, and then the Minnesota Washington, I was like, points are going to be scored in this game. I feel like Kirk Cousins revenge game. I was, I was, I mean, Taylor Heineke, I was like, he's going to get some garbage time points. And they just didn't do it for me. I mean, I just, I, I was trying to, I was trying to be too sharp and I, I just wasn't listening to my heart. And when I don't listen to my heart, I, I lose usually whenever I, whenever I, think about things too much i lose i just said i just said fire from the hip when i fire from the hip that's when i'm on my best because i would have loved seattle i would have loved new york i would have loved detroit i w- and that would have been three winners for me and i wouldn't have bet indy and i wouldn't have bet the minnesota game and i wouldn't have bet the arizona i mean it's just I don't know, i'm just gonna get back to shoot from the hip number one rule of gambling trust your gut i've been saying it for years it's always been the number one rule. I, I try to get too much into into the analytics of things, and I'm just, I just I just talk myself out of my out of you my. You can psych yourself out with the numbers, absolutely. Like I, I need to be careful not to do that when I start digging too deep. And I'm like, I have my set like model numbers, and that's all I really need to use because when I start digging into something more, I'm just finding stats that justify what I want to do. Or like what my logic is already pointing towards, not stats yeah. that are independent of it. But seven and a week by you, pretty fucking yeah. good. Got back to plus pretty plus money good. on the year, man. After two yeah. straight losing did, weeks, took me took me down. I, I'm I'm fully back back in my heart's desire this week. So I I, I think this is the week that I have a big bounce back. Big, 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 big bounce back. Well, where you want to start? What's your favorite one? Oh, uh, we can start some NFL news and then get into them. Oh, okay. Let's do that. Well, you want, we can do either one. But uh, the number one thing I have on my NFL news for this week is that I was driving to work Monday morning thinking about Monday Night Football. We got the Baltimore Ravens versus the New Orleans Saints. And the only thing I could think to myself, I texted you, just wish Justin Fields was playing tonight. Justin Fields, the most electrifying player in the NFL right now. Justin Fields, who looked like a quarterback from 1937 earlier this season. Justin Fields who led an electric offense at Ohio State, got drafted at number 11 overall, and got drafted by a franchise that has frankly done absolutely nothing to put him in a position to succeed in his short year-and-a-half career up to this point. Justin Fields, who ownership, general management, coaches, finally were just like, hey, Let's just let's just try to 
put together a game plan here that puts him in a position to succeed. We did draft him 11 overall. We did give up two first-round picks for him. Let's just see what happens. And then he goes out there and breaks the single-game rushing record for a quarterback, throws three touchdowns. He makes Cole Komet, who Bears fans have buried, is going to be a guy that's off the team as soon as he can be. Um, Darnell Mooney, who is probably at best a B-tier wide receiver two in the league, looked good. Um, The whole offense is looking good. He's been sacked five times, I believe, in the past three games after averaging, like, what was it, four sacks a game going into the New England game? Might have been a little more. I think it was he was at like fifty five sacks through seven games. Yeah, I mean fifty sacks, man. It's crazy. We were kind of talking about it pre-show. There's no excuse not to put a young quarterback that you invested assets into the best opportunity to succeed. And the very first thing you brought up, which was not you believing what you were saying. But it was just what everybody says is, well, this coaching staff didn't draft him. Well, if that's the case, if you didn't draft a guy who was a top 15 pick in the NFL draft that the franchise you're coaching for gave up two first round picks for, if he's not your guy, you want to do everything you can to showcase his talents to get the most out of a return that you can get for him. So there's no excuse not to play to a young quarterback's strengths. And it's 2022. If you don't know how to adjust your offense to play to a young QB's strength, you don't deserve to be an NFL coach because there's plenty of other people that can do it. If if you're still in the mindset that you draft a guy to play your system and your system alone because you think your system is the system that's going to win, you're an absolute buffoon. You don't deserve to be an NFL head coach. You don't even deserve to be an NFL coach. You deserve to be on the streets because if you're not doing everything you can to squeeze every little bit of talent you can out of a guy that is just dripping with talent like Justin Fields, you're you're an idiot. You're a moron. You're a buffoon. And you you don't you don't deserve to even you don't you don't deserve to have a job in the league. And the fact that it took this long to see what kind of production we can get out of a guy like Justin Fields, who I loved coming out of the draft, and he's doing basically what he did at Ohio State, and you're like, oh wow, this works. Of course it works. The the dude is the dude's six three, two hundred and forty pounds, runs a four four. And has a rocket for an arm. And it's like, oh, we're going to run this guy. Like, oh, wow. I can't believe this is working. Of course it's fucking working. Look at him. He's a beast. Like, he's, let he's the kid a run. He has a like, chance to be, like, as special of a quarterback as there's ever been in the NFL based on his can, athleticism, his accuracy, his arm strength. Like, we've never seen a mix of him before. And, has, like... He has he has like the arm strength of guys like Justin Herbert, but he can run like Michael Vick. Yeah, and he, he has can't run like Lamar. Too. He can't run like Lamar. Lamar's 
a unicorn right. when it comes to running. But he can run like Mike Vick. He, I mean, he can run. I mean, he can run better than Josh Allen. He doesn't have the arm that Josh Allen has, but he doesn't. He doesn't make the mistakes that and he doesn't take the hits that Josh Allen takes. Josh Allen will like run full speed into your middle linebacker just for the contact. Like Justin Fields mm. knows how to slide. He'll he'll avoid contact. He doesn't take the big hits that you see Josh Allen take, and they're the same size. Like. That's what people don't like. He's the same size as Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've really, really struggled with this for the last year and a half. Cause like you want to tell yourself that you can use data to look at, look at past quarterbacks to try to find trends and try to find stuff. But when you're talking about a guy whose traits are as special as his, you just end up walking in circles of data and saying he's one of one. Whatever happens, happens. I mean, he like there. There's no one was, like him that's come around before. In my opinion, he was my number two behind Trevor Lawrence. I still think Trevor Lawrence has a higher ceiling than him. But and, I mean, until we see it from Trevor Lawrence, like Justin Fields is the best quarterback out of that draft class right now, and yeah, he has by far the least amount of weapons and the worst offensive line out of the group. Yeah, I mean, man, I I regret it so much looking back. You put him. I was imagine, so... imagine Justin Fields being on that New England team right now, with, with where Matt Jones yeah. is, with two really good tight ends and three really good pass catching receivers and a good running game and a good offensive line and a coach like Bill Belichick. Justin Fields would be the best quarterback in the league right now if he was on that team. Yeah. So going into that draft, I was like, I was I wrote a scouting the quarterbacks in the draft article where I went through the top ten quarterbacks in the draft and like did a whole thing with with our guy Michael Rockman. It's actually the first time I interacted with him at all. I I found uh, some of his scouting reports and asked him if I could collaborate with him in my article with his scouting information. And I was so close to putting Fields ahead of Lawrence in that article. I was like last minute. I was like. I can't do it. Everyone says Lawrence is, is like QB God. I, I gotta I gotta put him up there at one. I mean still but still like, right I was, now, it, I would probably I was so damn close to putting Fields ahead of him. If I if I could choose either one of them right now, assuming assuming all things are the same, I would probably still take Lawrence just because I think I think he has enough athletic ability and I think his arm talent is one in a million. But if yeah, I'm not I'm I'm starting to question his arm talent if it's better than Fields or like some of the other guys around the league. Like, See, I'm just not I mean, sure. I, 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 I think it's close. I mean, I think it's close now coming out, like coming out. It was, it, to me, it was Lawrence all day, but I thought, I mean, I told you this during that draft, uh, whenever the Cowboys traded back with Philly, Philly took Devonta Smith. And then the Giants traded back with Chicago. And then Chicago took Fields. Dallas took uh, Parsons. I was saying, like, I would have rather taken Fields there. Actually, it was Rashawn Slater, if we're being honest. But I was like, if, if we were trading back, I was like, I would rather have Fields and put some pressure on deck. And... If, in my opinion, when a guy like Fields falls to you right there in Dallas's situation, where they had a good offensive line, they have a they have a they have everything around him that a good young quarterback would need, and they have three years left on an overpaid quarterback. It was in my mind, it was like, well, put some pressure on him. He's either going to perform 
and then you have an asset that you can get rid of in two years that still has three years left on a rookie deal if you pick up his fifth year option or you have a guy that can come in immediately to a super bowl contender and elevate your team to the next level i love fields in that draft i really i knew the cowboys wouldn't do it but in my mind if i was a gm that would have been the move to me but i mean parsons is also come to be a probably top five overall player in the league it's like yeah. there's not many Can't people complain about that like if if, if, Michael, if michael parsons wasn't michael parsons i i could i would have a real strong leg to stand on here but cowboys got michael parsons so i can't really complain but at yeah. the time like i'm willing to admit that i wanted builds even after the fact that we drafted parsons yeah i mean honestly some of it might was probably very much that I just knew there was no chance of Trevor Lawrence falling, but I just like, so I dove all in on fields being like, he can fall and convincing myself he could fall, even though he's the second best quarterback in that draft, if not the best. And like, it happened. We fourth, willed it into existence, Chicago. Fourth quarterback. Trey Lance may never see the film. He may be really bad. Zach Wilson isn't good. Trevor Lawrence, he's one of those guys that it's going to be seven years from now. And if he's not better than he is right now, people are still going to be saying like one more year. Like he's going to put it together. Like yeah. he's that special, but. Well, so uh, I one of my I, favorite followers I, on Twitter I, is Nate Tice. And, and he's like, he's putting out all this stuff lately, comparing Matt Ryan to Trevor Lawrence in their second year. And it's like spot on. It's just it, like, it's wild how similar Matt they are. Not around a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. Ish. <laughs> you don't think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback? Yeah. Ish. I mean, you you compare him to his generation. I mean, he has an MVP. He has Super Bowl appearance. Should have a Super Bowl victory. But, I mean, monster numbers throughout his entire career. Winning seasons throughout his entire career. I mean, if you don't think Matt Ryan's a Hall of Fame quarterback, then... He's on the fringe to me. He's not right there with Matt Stafford. There with Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford's not on the fringe either. Matt Stafford's all of him quarterback. Nah, I think they're both on the fringe. No. Matt Stafford's on the fringe? Yeah. Volume stats don't really do a whole lot for me in this era. He's got a Super Bowl now, though. He does. Get another. Then we're talking. Then he's in. How many multiples? Okay, since. 1999. Eli Manning has more than one Super Bowl. Peyton Manning has more than one Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger has more than one Super Bowl. And Tom Brady has more than one Super Bowl. That's it. How many other Hall of Fame quarterbacks are there in that span? Matt Ryan? See, they fall just below it to me. I think it's a lot harder to get in than than, than you realize. No. Joe Flacco? No. Phillip Rivers? No. Rivers is on the so fringe with those, with, the, with those two. He's a little lower on the fringe, really, but he's really, right there. We're only putting four quarterbacks in for the past 25 years. I mean, there's a lot more quarterbacks in the last 25 years. It's got to be so something we're putting four in here. Jay Cutler. Yeah. <laughs> what him, man? Drew Brees? 
Breeze is in. Is Drew Breeze a Hall of Famer? Why? Yeah. Why is he in over Matt Ryan? Why is he in over Matt, Matt Stafford? Because he consistently carried his offense to the playoffs and was just he was so the Matt driving Ryan? force of his team consistently. See, I don't know that Matt Ryan. So did Matt Ryan. It's it's a lot more in question for me with him than it is Drew Brees. Drew Brees had a lot better coach than Matt Ryan had. Arguably. Arguably. Which coach we talking? We talking Kyle Shanahan? Kyle Shanahan? For four years? I mean, Sean Payton was there the entirety of his career. Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl? Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers yeah, getting the ball? Aaron Rodgers is in. Multiple MVPs. Yeah. I don't know. I messed that. To me, Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan are both in. They're both shoe-ins. I, I think the conversation starts after those two guys. See, if they're in, then you got to let in um, ch- the Chargers quarterback from way back when. Uh, Philip Rivers? The, no, the Dan Don Fouts? Coriel. Don Cor- yeah, Dave, Dan Fouts. You got to put Dan no, you Fouts don't. in. You got to put you some other guys in. Who are, I think they're right in the same tier, all of them. No, the guys who are just you outside you the Hall of Fame. You don't gotta do anything. You just gotta put in the guys who deserve it. Disrespectful to Dan Fouts. No, why would it be disrespectful to Dan Fouts? Because Dan Fouts is putting up Matt Ryan numbers when it wasn't normal. <laughs> yeah, for a couple of years. Not for an entire career. He did it for a good while there in San Diego. I mean, let's just... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Matt Ryan's a Hall of Famer to me. Matt Stafford's a Hall of Famer to me. And I think the conversation starts after them. I think the conversation starts with Philip Rivers, Tony Romo, those guys. I, th- I think Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford are both in. Yeah, Hall of Good to me. You're just a hater. Calvin Johnson, a Hall of Famer? Well, yeah. <laughs> I think he's already in. Yeah. (laughs) I just wanted to see what you would say. I'm pretty sure he got in two years ago. But um, you're right. (laughs) I just just wanted to see what you would say. Uh, I know he's in, but all right. Moving on. We got to talk about this cult situation, Jeff Saturday. Um, Jeff Saturday. Fun fact, my favorite player growing up when I was in high school. Yeah. Uh, Is he your favorite coach now? (laughs) So Jeff Saturday, working at ESPN as an analyst um, for the past year and a half. Before that, after he retired, he coached three years at a private school in Georgia, I believe. Where hold on, I gotta I gotta look up his overall record real quick. I texted it to you earlier. You have that for me? I told you to have that for me. I wrote down <laughs> uh Jeff Saturday record to remind you, but I didn't write the number. Shit. Down. Okay. Uh, uh three and seven. No, that was his last year. Okay, we don't want to take twenty and sixteen. Had a winning record as a private school high school coach. Um 2016 through his career, pretty good. Three and seven in his last year. And I don't know how much people know about high school football, but I, I study it, studied it 
quite heavily. That was going to be my profession at one point. And I am heavily in the opinion of high school football. Generational talent can win you state championships. But a better than average head coach can get you two or three rounds deep in the playoffs every year, winning seven, five to seven games a year. A good coach never go worse than 500 in high school football because coaching will beat talent in high school football more times than it won't. And the fact that you went three and seven in your last year of high school football, haven't coached a year and a half since then, and land a head coaching job, I, I don't know what Jim Irsa is doing, except for the fact that Jeff Saturday is supposedly heavily linked to Peyton Manning. Supposedly the Colts have been doing everything they can to get Peyton Manning to take over the GM role from uh, Ballard there. And the only thing that makes sense, which is the rumors going around, is that Peyton Manning wanted Jeff Saturday as the head coach, and he would be the GM from that point. So... Assuming Ballard gets fired this offseason and Peyton Manning comes in and takes over the GM role. Um that still that that makes sense. If if your goal is to land Peyton Manning, it makes sense. But is Peyton Manning the GM worth hiring a coach that barely went five hundred in high school football and went three and seven in his last year, has never coached at an NFL level nor college level? who hasn't been in the NFL game in seven years now, who there's not a single person on the staff that has ever called plays offensively or defensively, that you're going to go hire a guy that's working currently for ESPN halfway through the season who has knows nothing about the culture of your program. Do they realize that the head coach is responsible for like hotel bookings and booking flights and uh, roster management every week and uh, all all the little things, the workout schedule, the practice schedule, like all the little day-to-day things that people don't think about. That's what your head coach does. And you're going to hire a guy who hasn't been with the team all year who was working at ESPN to come in out of the blue and manage this roster for the rest of the year who has no idea anything that's going on. He doesn't know the scheme that was being run before. He'd never worked in that scheme. Like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. You know who uh, who they who they decided was calling plays? Yeah, you sent it to me earlier. The guy, the, the name sounds made up. It was like Brooks McGee, Parks Frazier. Parks Frazier might as well be Brooks McGee, assistant QB coach. Thirty-year-old yeah. Parks Frazier is calling plays. Good job for Parks. I mean, good for hey, him. Maybe he's quite a, wizard. a resume he's building. Maybe he's a wizard. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Jeff Saturday, one of my favorite players of all time. Good luck to you. This just seems like a train wreck waiting to happen. And I, I feel bad for him, but he took the job. So it's like, can you feel bad for a guy that willingly put himself in this position? Like, I don't like, I don't care how much respect you have for Jim Irsay. If he calls you and he's like, hey, man, I need you to come be the head coach, be like, no. Call me in the offseason. I might take the job, but like, I'm not taking that job halfway through this. If, it, if he has any ambition, check is. If he has any ambition to be a, 
a, a coach in the future, unless Ursa is like guaranteeing him the head coaching job next year and just taking over now would be the only way. Like I need guarantees. Even then, that, like, yeah, there's going to be guys on this roster next year who are quite like who are not happy with the way this all went down and are like, yeah. like you got it. You're, you're digging yourself out of a ditch right now is Jeff Saturday in that, in that locker room. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, there's no comeback from it. Uh, Especially hopefully when you they got, Jonathan Taylor, uh, though. two, two season head coaches on the staff in John Fox and uh, the defensive coordinator. He was a Jags head coach Yeah, back in the day. What's his name? Doesn't matter. Um, you got two two guys who have like multiple years of NFL head coach experience sitting there who are like I, I could take over and just nope Jeff Saturday that's our yeah guy. but yeah you want to talk about Josh Allen for a second yeah so it's a sad day today or this week actually since Sunday it's we all should really be in mourning and very sad that. The star of the NFL, not Pat Mahomes, aside from Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen has been injured. But it doesn't come alone because Josh Allen died so TJ Watt could live. TJ Watt might be back this week. Mike Tomlin said it today. But back to Josh Allen. Brained UCL, I believe it was, that's a joint in your elbow. He had a similar injury back when he was a rookie, I believe. Missed like uh, six games. That would be it, your, I think. That'd be your all. That'd be ulnar collateral ligament. It's oh. basically what runs right here that connects your ulna to your radius. That little, the little ligament right there that controls your back and forth with your wrist. The wrist bones connected uh, to the arm bone. I learned that in college. Yeah. Yeah, that was my minor in college. Uh, I don't even remember what it's called now. It's the bones and joints and muscles. <laughs> that was my yeah, minor. That, that was my minor. <laughs> I don't even remember what my minor was. <laughs> but so I'm expecting him to probably miss three games here. You know, my, my uneducated ass over here telling you what to expect. But missed six games as a rookie with it. They're in the middle of the playoff hunt. Like, I mean, they're leading the division, but only by, what, a half game? Half a game. So half, They're a half game up on both the Jets and Miami, who they have both lost to. The only reason why they're a half game up on both of them because they haven't had their bye week yet, and those other two teams have had their bye week. Same amount of wins. They both have one more loss than the Bills have. And then the Patriots are a game back because they've had their bye week. Yeah. So Patriots so, are a game back and Bills and Jets are both a half game back, but Bills and Jets have already both beaten the Bills. So upcoming schedule, Bills got Minnesota this week, then Cleveland, both those games are at home, and they got Detroit in Detroit the week after that. I think Josh Allen probably misses all three of those games because you're saying we need him right for December. We need him right for the run. You need him right for the division games for sure. After those three, those next three games, you're in New England. Then you got the Jets at home and the Dolphins at home. That's all AFC East. That's where you win your division. Get, I think you get them right. 
get him back for those division games and rock and roll from there. AFC beast. But I thought that was exclusive to the NFC. NFC beast. AFC beast. You know, all those East Coast teams like the Cowboys just doing it upright. Yeah. Um, all right. So next up, Josh McDaniels might be the worst coach of all time. Might be. They just cut John Abrams today. Like, um, I don't know how to say, I don't know how to, what am I trying to say here? I don't know how to articulate the fact that he might be the worst coach of all time without coming off as like hyperbole, but he may legitimately be the worst coach of all time. I mean, it's up there when you start to think about the fact that they got in trouble for videotaping teams practicing when he was in Denver and they started off what like six and oh and after they got in trouble they just fell off. Yeah. And it's ugly. The fact that the Raiders are hold on. I don't remember the stat, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try to just give a rough example they're like 180 and four in games that they lead by double digits in the first half something like that like outrageous number and this season they're one and four in games where they lead by double digits it's outrageously stupid how lopsided the numbers are compared to like how often they go they get out to early leads this season and just fall apart it's hard to argue with that man like i mean it's i'm i thought they were gonna be good this year glad that the bears didn't hire him because i i I thought he was gonna be a good i thought he was gonna be good second time around and yeah i mean the Colts, mm-hmm. I mean, remember when Frank Reck first got to the Colts? They were like, oh, my God, like, Frank, this this dude's incredible. Like, thank God we didn't hire Josh McDaniels. And then, luckily, Josh McDaniels got hired before they fired Frank Reich because they would have been thinking to themselves, oh, my God, imagine if we would have had Josh McDaniels instead of Frank Reich. Like, imagine what he could have done with these teams. But now, at least, as a Colts fan, you can see the misery and demise of Josh McDaniels the same time your coach is getting fired and be like well at least we had frank reich for like four years and like he was good for four years until he wasn't like you would have been dog shit immediately if josh mcdaniels went there so um he'll he'll be back to the patriots oc he's like i i at this point he's just a lifer for the patriots for the rest of his life uh Belichick's son, uh, Steve Belichick, will become the new head coach with all of his crazy like eye emotions and sticking his tongue out. And Josh McDaniels will just be the OC for Steve Belichick for the rest of his life in New England. Dude, it's bizarre, man. Like, he built a good staff there in Vegas, too. Like, yeah. he started to build a good staff in Indy and then before he backed on. And, like, he got Patrick Graham, he got Rob Ryan over there. Like, he got uh, 
Kennedy Palomalu at running backs. Like, Jerry Shaplinski is an offensive assistant. Like, those are some names. Oh, yeah. It's just yeah, weird. He did everything right. He's just a terrible coach. He's got, he's got Deuce Gruden on the strength training staff. Well, you got to have Deuce Gruden there. Did he yeah. have Deuce Gruden there or was Deuce Gruden already there? Because you don't tell Deuce Gruden to leave. What's yeah, it? I think Deuce Gruden just is like, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, he said, you going to make me leave? And he said, no, sir, you can stay here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're they're bad. Antonio uh, Pierce, like, do they own their pick? On that staff. Do they have Do they have their first round pick? No, it's got to be a Green Bay. Oh, yeah, Devonta Adams. Are you sure? So Philly, Philly has a top 10 pick right now. With their trade, Seattle has a top ten pick right now. With their trade, I haven't seen Green Bay in that in that traded top ten pick because they they talked. You about know what? Their- You're right. They traded up this year. They might have used that to move up. Yeah, Green Bay. I mean, I haven't seen Green Bay. I, I'm Wait, not saying they, they do have their first round pick. What did they give up for Devonte? They gave up the. They had two picks this year, I think, didn't they? Because okay, didn't, then didn't they, they Bay, gave up this year's pick. Because didn't Green Bay not take an offensive player twice this year in the draft? Yeah, they, they had two first-round picks. That's what it must have been. Yeah, number 22 overall and then a second-round pick. Yeah. So so that was – okay, so they do have their first-round pick at least. That's nice. That's good for them. Uh, be a lot of quarterbacks. I don't know. I don't, is, I don't know if Derek Carr is the issue. I mean, Derek, I mean, Derek Carr hasn't been great this year, but, I mean, just the team in general has been so bad. I don't know what they do. Their offensive line is awful. And didn't – didn't awful. Did they go – did they go sign – did they they did, did they do something stupid like they did with John Gruden and give, like, McDaniels, like, 10 years? Or am I tripping? They give him a I stupid mean, contract. I the money. We don't know the money on a lot of these contracts. Um, I mean, it could have been something just ludicrous, but I, I mean, I think they gave him like a five-year deal or something, which is standard. They, there's no way he's the coach next year, right? I mean, can they afford to buy him out? I don't know. That's rough. I mean, that that was one of the risks he took signing them was like knowing like. We this might be a hefty contract to get out of, and we just paid out Gruden. Actually, no, I guess they didn't pay out. Gruden yeah, they the yeah, they could have got out of yeah they could have got out of that. It I was, mean, the only thing that makes sense is that they go. Uh, I mean, the Cardinals are about to fire Cliff Kingsbury, and Cliff Kingsbury is notorious for falling up into jobs, and the Raiders' job is significantly better than the Cardinals' job right now. So what's going to happen is that the right the Cardinals are going to fire Cliff Kingsbury and he's going to get the Raiders job. Yeah, you can't you can't prove you can't sense. you can't prove me otherwise. I mean, the dude the dude has fallen upwards his entire career, and he'll probably uh, just be the president of football operations. I mean he's he's gonna he's gonna go to the Raiders and be the head coach. He's gonna get fired from there and become the commissioner of football. <laughs> yeah, I see it. 
Cliff Kingsbury being the commissioner, commissioner of football. Is your commissioner. Would, would our commissioner is hotter than sell the shirts? <laughs> There's plenty of them left over in Lubbock. I promise you. <laughs> All right. And then last thing we had here, Odell Beckham Jr. Looks like he'll be ready to go in the next month, month and a half. And our boy, Jerry Jones, your favorite owner. It's coming in hot, going on national radio twice a week. Jerry saying, says he's hot. Saying, there ain't nothing in the world Odell Beckham Jr. wants more than having a star on his helmet. Jerry Jones is overselling Odell Beckham to the Cowboys so much right now. He's bidding against himself. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys go sign this dude for like $25 million a year. Like, so I was talking to I was talking to you about it before the before we started, and the Cowboys do actually have quite a bit of cap space left over for this year that we're not going to use. That if they could potentially sign Odell, they could potentially overpay Odell and basically give him the rest of the cap available for this year and roll it over into a two year deal to where next year they basically have him for nothing, but Odell still gets his money. The Cowboys get Odell and like everything would work out perfectly. I think, I think we have like $17 million of unused cap this year. If, if I, re- I don't know how the cap works that I, I, I remember I read that somewhere, but basically you would give him 17 million up front right now and pay him, I think $6 million next year. And basically he gets $12 million for a season and a half, uh, which is, very good for the guy in his 11th year who has played seven games in three years. <laughs> like, uh, they're gonna need to use some void years. Is it? They only got they got seven million this year and ten million next year. Now they can play with the ten million next year with with like it would, it would basically be giving- that out next off season. But like, would, uh, so I mean, you're basically giving everything this year, which would be seven million. And then maybe six million next year. I mean, thirteen million basically gets gets them through both years. And then if you wanted to put like a couple of million on some void years after that, I mean, it's not like you're taking up too much space after well, that. And like, they but don't the need bulk to be of it under next year's cap until next year's league year starts. Yeah, and there's and they guys, can figure that out after the season. Demarcus Lawrence is gone next year. They're gonna they're gonna get rid of that situation, and I think that's gonna free up like seventeen million dollars in next year's cap. Yeah. But yeah, either way, it doesn't matter. I mean, at the end of the day, I would be shocked if Odell Beckham is anything but a cowboy at this point, because when Jerry Jones wants a guy, it's very rare that he doesn't get him. Like I'm I'm I'm. I'm not saying that as like a Cowboys fan because I hate it as a Cowboys fan because a lot of times you're overpaying for a guy that's not worth it. But usually when Jerry Jones wants a guy, he gets a guy. Like Jerry Jones bragged about signing Brandon Carr in the offseason of 2012 for like six weeks. And all Brandon Carr did for six years in Dallas Cowboys uniform was get put on every single wide receiver's poster in the entire league. I, I don't think a top 15 wide receiver has a highlight catch that doesn't include Brandon Carr in it. 
Like you put it on a lot of posters. And Jerry Jones went on a fucking media tour for two straight weeks about that signing. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> if Jerry wants you, he's gonna get you. Whether or not it's good yeah. for the Cowboys, whoa, uh, I don't know about that. But yeah, I mean, so if you're another team thinking you're gonna get o- Odell Beckham at this point, you're not. He's gonna be a Cowboy. And I don't know if I like it or not, but hey, Odell showed a lot in the tank still last year with the Rams. Like I'd be, oh, I'd be no, excited I mean, about it if I was Cowboys. I, fan. I, I, I've already had arguments with Cowboys fans talking about him compared to Amari Cooper, and I'm like, would you rather pay Amari Cooper seventeen million dollars this year, knowing where we're at in the season right now, or Odell coming in halfway through the season? for significantly less money who can do just as much or more than Cooper could ever do. And Cooper's a Cooper for us was a very good route runner that disappeared in big games. One thing that OBJ has done through his entire career is show up in big games. And I'd much rather have a guy that maybe doesn't do it week to week, but shows up in big games rather than somebody who's going to put up monster numbers against the worst teams in the league and then when you need a big play to happen he's just nowhere to be found so big time players make big time plays in big time spots and odell beckham is every bit of a big time player Mm -hmm. you look at all of his biggest games of his career he's put up numbers whether the team's won or lost he's put up numbers in every single big game of his career yep all right you want to get into some picks yeah absolutely all right you got four i got six we'll run through these real quick yeah not i i'm i'm very passionate about a couple of mine but starting out seattle versus tampa bay all right seattle's good tampa bay is not good tom brady says about fucking time can't believe it we're so excited we won a game don't matter seattle's coming in there geno smith geno smith for mvp my golly i mean Geno Smith, I don't, I don't know why, but against him last week, Pete Carroll's got this team fucking humming. Kobe Bryant on that defense looks absolutely electric. Jordan Brooks on that defense looks absolutely electric. Everything about this team looks Knocking absolutely skulls, electric. Man. Seattle plus two and a half going to Tampa Bay. Love it. Kenneth Walker, nine touchdowns in three games is what it is, I think. Fantasy Stupid. steal of the century, man. Stupid. All right, moving on. Cleveland going to Miami. I'm taking Miami minus four in this spot. I think their offense is too good. Miami is undefeated in games that Tua Tungabaloa starts and finishes. And I think their weapons are just too much for this Cleveland team. Um, the, the strength of this Cleveland team is running the football. I don't know how much you can run the football against this Miami team whenever they have – Five guys that can score from anywhere in the field on top of Adam even, Jeff Wilson. They're top so ten run Miami defense. minus four. Top ten run defense. Yeah. So yeah, I love Miami minus four in the spot. Uh let's go over to your side. Los Angeles Chargers versus the San Francisco 49ers. I don't think the 49ers are that that good. I mean, Chargers run defense is not good, and McCaffrey might get a lot of yards this game and some touchdowns. I'm banking on the fact that McCaffrey is about to get hurt. So, it's Elijah Mitchell season right now, boys, in fantasy football. If you can go get Elijah Mitchell right now in fantasy football for next to nothing, 
go get it. He's coming off of IR. McCaffrey is notoriously not staying healthy. His usage rate is about to go through the roof on this San Francisco 49ers offense. I'm not saying he gets hurt, but if you can get Elijah Mitchell for next to nothing right now in fantasy football, and Jeff Wilson's gone, their rookie, I think, is out for a significant amount of time. Tyrion you Davis might get, Price. Yeah, Tyrion Davis Price is still out. Um, you might get Elijah Mitchell coming off of IR in a backfield where three weeks ago you didn't know if he was ever going to see the field again this season. You may own that backfield with him. So if you can get him for cheap, he I picked him up in two leagues out of free agency very, very recently. So... Yeah, it might be a Elijah Mitchell season. If not, worst case scenario, you have the second running back in a, in a 49ers offense, which is still not a bad asset to have. But yeah, it's a Elijah Mitchell season. Go pick him up. Sorry. Go ahead. Anyways, back to the Los Angeles Chargers. This is a team that plays up and down in their competition constantly. I don't, I mean, I think they can stay within seven points of a of a of a score with any team and i think they can lose by three points to literally any team i don't i don't see them i don't see san francisco shutting them down that badly that they're going to lose by over seven points no i agree i mean it's a weird spread that's why i avoided it but yeah just off basics i i do agree with you um Let's I love the seven to, and a half number. One of my favorite numbers. Yeah, get the hook. Get the hook there. Uh, let's go to your Indianapolis versus the Raiders because I almost took Jeff Saturday here because with with the amount of um what is it called uh all 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 things moving together. What is that called? Um, they, they use it for like logistics. All the logistics you have to do as a head coach of getting everywhere where they need to be, getting everybody to hotels, getting everybody on planes. If Jeff Saturday has 11 starters on offense, defense, and special teams come Sunday, he's 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 got it. They're, they're covering this spread. As long, as long as they have a 53-man roster suited up, Ready to go on the field come Sunday. They're going to cover six versus the Raiders. But I wouldn't be surprised if they show up with like 42 guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really, I was wondering where you go with that. I was like, man, I do not agree. <laughs> but uh, I see what you did there. Um, ultimately, let's let's think this through. Uh, on like the week t- week timeline here, gets hired Monday uh, for Saturday, or Jeff Saturday gets hired on Monday, and press conference that night, first you know day at the facilities Tuesday, he's already a day and a half behind on game planning. On a week where you're not having even to game travel planning. across the country to Vegas. So you're leaving on Friday, like you don't have time here and they've eaten up all this time already. Well, not even game planning. Like the head coach, uh, like, they're, 
they're they're in charge of practice schedules. They're in charge of eating schedules. They're they're, they're literally in charge of everything on top of coaching a team. No one knew who was calling plays till this afternoon. Yeah, and it's <laughs> how do you do anything when you don't even know who's calling plays? <laughs> that that means the playbook is getting installed on Wednesday. Yeah, you have you you have a day and a, a half. A whole new playbook. Yeah, like I guess the guy was on the roster, so yeah. I guess it's gonna be Frank's right. Frank, yeah, Ra- it's gonna be Frank Rack's playbook. But still, your head like, coach doesn't even know the playbook. He doesn't know the players. Does Jonathan Taylor doesn't know what they week? like, what they don't like? Does he? Uh, I don't know. I don't care. Honestly, <laughs> give me give but, me the Raiders here by ten. It doesn't matter. I do not think this indie team is gonna be at all prepared. I think you you slapped a bunch of coaches in the face this week on that staff. And they, they weren't sitting there putting in extra hours all week, I doubt. You know, they, they weren't uh, going through the hell that it is of being an NFL coach outside of the pay. These guys have to live and breathe everything with their organization. And then your owner comes and slaps you in the face and says, no, we're doing this now. Like, no, I, I do not think Indy's going to come close to covering, even if the ghost of Andrew Luck comes back. Well, it'll be Pat Manning because Andrew Luck wasn't. Uh, I got, uh, is Andrew Luck a Hall of Famer? No. He could have been if he kept playing, but no. Back to back AFC Championship. All right. Um, moving on. Let's hit the Minnesota at Buffalo. Minnesota plus five and a half over under at 46. So this is what I struggled with. So I, I, took, I took this game assuming that Josh Allen is out. If Josh Allen plays this game, I'm rescinding my bet. But I have Minnesota plus five and a half right now. And I just think, uh, what do they call him now? Thug Cousins? Uh, Kirk Thuggins? Whatever it is. He's suddenly J.R. Smith out of nowhere. Kirk Cousins is the coolest guy in the league right now somehow. And I don't understand it. Um, I guess with... If you have Justin Jefferson on your team, you're just automatically cool because if you're friends with Justin Jefferson, you're cool. Um, but I don't know if Justin Jefferson actually likes him or if it's just like, hey, we're a one-loss team. We're second in the NFC right now. Hey, I like you. Be- I don't know. But we, uh, something about Justin Minnesota. We met Justin Jefferson's cousin at a casino in Biloxi once. Does that make us cool? Did we really? I did. You were, I, I think I remember you being there still. I could have. Uh, what, what your bachelor party was. <laughs> I lost a lot of money that weekend. <laughs> I could have. Could have very well just not given a shit about anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, most money I've ever lost in a gambling weekend in my life. So there's a, a good chance that I just didn't care. I mean. <laughs> Drew Brees could have walked up to us. I would have probably just told him to fuck off, like <laughs> spit in his face. And yeah, I'm like, do you do you realize how bad I'm doing right now? <laughs> yeah. I haven't won a bet. I haven't won a bet in 72 hours, and you want to talk to me, Drew Brees? Like, <laughs> go hang out with go hang out with Kevin James, brother. Um, but no, I'm taking Minnesota here. Um, they're just hot right now, and no Josh Allen like there's nothing I like about Minnesota but somehow they just keep winning so I think they can cover five and a half here no Josh Allen 
They're frauds. And then you got the total. They're frauds. They're frauds. No, I, I think they're frauds. I, I agree that they're frauds, but I think that, they cover five and a half here without Josh Allen. Because they're frauds? They're, I don't think they're going to score a lot this week. I think Buffalo is going to scheme up a hell of a game plan. to really But Justin Jefferson just caught a second touchdown of the year. That's a lot. It's a lot of touchdowns. If I told you that nine weeks in, the Vikings are eight and one, and I said, guess how many touchdowns Justin Jefferson has? What would be your guess? Uh, seven. At least. Yes, two. Yeah. That's surprising. I didn't I didn't even realize it's crazy. That. But so it's I got crazy. the under under 46 points because Justin Jefferson only has two touchdowns. This Buffalo defense is going to be foaming at the mouth, trying to cover for their quarterback who's going out and putting it on teams. You know who's been really good for Minnesota? Single game this year. Who? We talked about it last week. Uh, Pat P. Oh, yeah. Been incredible this year. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's been, he did it again last week. This dude is looking so good. He's one of the biggest difference makers in this, like, defense. Like, and you, give me Case Keenum versus Patrick Peterson. Like, well, are we in 2006 right now? I don't know. But, like, <laughs> dude, last <laughs> I week, Minnesota here. Ron Rivera took Kevin O'Connell to school. And Sean McDermott's only going to be a harder test. Like, I love the under 46 in this game. This might be my favorite. I like the under 46, too. Um, I'm going to hop on that with you. But, all right, let's move on to – I'll do uh, Arizona versus the Chargers – or versus the Rams. These two teams are in shambles. You have – you think about the Los Angeles Rams and you think about the Arizona Cardinals and you think points – and then you look at the total and you say 43 and a half. You say this is going way over. I mean, look at the names. You got Matt Stafford. You have Kyler Murray. You have Cooper Cup. You got this. You got that. You got you got guys all over the field. You got DeAndre Hopkins. You th- DeAndre Hopkins will score more than 43 and a half by himself. Wrong. These two teams are trash. Both have somewhat good defenses, actually. Like, both their defenses have been very much outperforming their offenses so far to this year. I got the under in this game. I got under 43 and a half. Uh, this is the rowdiest line I've ever seen. You look at these two games or these two teams, you see 43 and a half and everything about this game screams over. I'm taking the under here. This is, this is my rat line guarantee play of the week. Give me okay. under 43 and a half. Cardinals Rams. So when Jay is betting in under, it is an outstanding follow. Let me give you a really? stat here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You are, you are unders. very good at unders. Um let's see. You are four and one on unders on the year. Boom. I think the one under I lost too was like a half point. Like I lost by the hook. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I think it's a good bet. The only thing that concerns me about it is Buda Baker is out for a few games. I believe it was a few games, oh, and he's he he's he plays a big role in that defense. But you think you JJ think Cardinals Watt, Rams Cardinals Rams at forty three and a half? 
Like, just think about that number and think about why it can't go over, and that's why it's going under. I mean, J.J. Watt might have, like, five sacks this game. Yeah. I mean, Cooper Cup may have four touchdowns, too. That's still the under in some scenarios. Still the under. There's a lot of scores that work with an under there still. Yeah, there is. All right. Um, We'll move on to this. I'm saving one game for last year, so we're gonna we're gonna put your you're gonna we're gonna put your team second to last year because right. I I got some things to say, but we got Detroit going to the Chicago Bears over the total is at forty eight and a half, and you have the Bears laying two and a half points at home. I'll let you get this one started. Justin Fields has looked great. Lions find ways to lose games. I mean, yeah, three points. Two and a half is great. Bears win by three. Two and a half was a great number. I think it's already moved up to three. I got that yesterday. And it's, I mean, this is one of the worst. Detroit is one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Bears have one of the worst defenses in the That's NFL. That's why they play the Cowboys. But give me the team with a better quarterback the quarterback who has just been making plays on, jared plays, goff. on plays for three straight weeks so you're taking the lions with jared goff no not quite uh i, I don't think so i i want jared goff all over on this because i want no <laughs> uh because i just i want to bet like every bears over because it's like i just think they're gonna give this up a lot, going over. There are a lot of points. okay I, I, i'm taking it over 48 and a half this game's just, going like, over the Lions' offense has been so anemic the last few weeks. It feels like, like outside yeah, two of the last three weeks, they're due. They're due. I mean, DeAndre Swift is coming back healthy. I mean, they're get they're getting back in their flow of things. Uh, they're making things work without TJ Hawkinson. Like th- this game is going to be thirty five forty two. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. I just like I like I said, I want to bet the over, but I just. I, I like this the going, spread better. This is going over in the first half. Maybe. Hey, so I got a question for you. What would you say the strongest unit on the Lions offense is? Unit? Like position group? Yeah. Either offensive line or running back. So, riddle me this. Why am I watching all 22 films of the Lions? All 22 films of the Lions... And every single time they're taking a shot play, they're keeping six to seven guys in the pass block. And they consistently are bringing so, in a six offensive lineman as a tight end to help on, on running downs. And it just makes no sense to me. It's terrible so Nick, strategy. They are way Nick, too talented on the O-line to be doing this to their team. So, so Dan Campbell is a great hoorah guy. He's a great cry in your face, love your brother type guy. He's a great get you out of a losing mindset guy. I don't know if he's a great head coach. No, I mean that that's all I could think watching out. Like it was And like, I love why are they doing love, stuff this way? I love him. I love Dan Campbell as a person. I just want to give him a big hug and I just I just want to see him win. Like I I, I want the most for Dan Campbell, but I, I, I don't think he's a good coach. Yeah, 
I'm starting to really question it. And if you're watching this, Dan Campbell, for the first time, I will, I'll, I will give you a big old hug, Dan Campbell. I will, I'll cry with you. We can, we can go we talk about the team. Oh, I'll fucking do so many up downs with Dan Campbell <laughs> uh, for fucking hours. Well, we'll, we'll put in a big old chaw. We can both just be spitting at each other when we're talking. And it'll be the greatest day of my life. I, I love Dan Campbell so much, but like, yeah, he he's everything you need for Detroit right now. But he's he's not the future of Detroit, which is sad. But he's he's gonna get Detroit. I I, I think Detroit is almost out of their loser loser mentality. Like I think they think they can win now. Now they just need somebody who knows how to win. And I don't I don't think Dan Campbell knows how to win. They need to but win I, a few I, before I, they can get out of it. <laughs> I, I think Dan Campbell has convinced his team that they're not losers anymore. Like I think they they're losers this season. And I don't I don't I don't think this team views themselves as losers, even you know, though they're you know, like one of the worst teams in the league statistically. I think if you ask them, I, I think they think they're much better than they are. You know what I think? Huh. I think I think this guy behind me might set them back a little bit in uh in their confidence and how good they are. This guy right here. I mean Yeah, Justin Fields is I mean QB one. <laughs> he might win rookie of the year. Better. <laughs> but <laughs> all right. Moving on to our last game of the week. And this this is tough for me because this is the first time in my life, my cognitive life, that I can ever remember being excited to play a Packers team, a Packers team led by Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't know if I should be terrified or excited that I'm excited to play a Packers team. Like... The Cowboys should go into Lambeau this weekend. Terrified. You think we should be terrified? Terrified. See, I don't know. See, that's see, that's where you're fucking me up because I should be terrified, but I'm excited. I'm excited to go into Aaron Rod. Like I know, as a Bears fan, he he beat you in the NFC Championship, but for the most part, he's just. He just beats you year in, year out. As, no, so as the reason opponent. the reason I say that is there are about three times in my life where I can remember the Packers were toast. They were done. The Bears were actually like either very narrow dogs or even favorites. And it was like all of a sudden the Packers were good again. So I'm scarred by that. That's why I'm saying terrified. I am extremely scarred from those moments. Of my so I'm, I'm not taking those moments into account. But I, I, I do remember multiple times where it's like, oh, the Packers are done for the season, and then they somehow win. Uh, most recently, it was Dak's rookie season where Aaron Rodgers did the R-E-L-A-X, relax. Uh, they make the fucking stupid-ass fucking playoffs, and they come to Dallas, and they fucking go in and beat Dak's stupid ass, and I just cry. Like, it's just always... They just always beat us in the playoffs with our best teams. All the best teams Dallas has ever had in my entire lifetime has been lost by the Green Bay Packers in the playoffs. And I don't know what's worse, being a Bears fan and just getting 
your dicks beaten in every single year by the Packers twice a year in your division, or every time you're really, really good and you have a chance at winning a Super Bowl, it's the Packers that take it away from you. Hey, we'll always I, have Thanksgiving 2015 and almost two games in 2018. I will never forget yeah. that. Well, we have the desk catch that still to this day there's not a single replay that shows that ball hitting the ground and the fact that that call got overturned is one of the worst calls in the history of football like if the ball if you if there if there was a clear angle of that ball hitting the ground i i whenever the catch happened i said it wasn't a catch and then they showed 17 different angles and the ball never touches the ground and they're like well he didn't control possession of it it's not a catch that would be the equivalent of somebody bobbling a ball standing straight up in the end zone for 35 minutes before securing it. Like you can bobble a ball all day. It doesn't matter if you're on the ground. It doesn't matter if you're in the air. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you are. As long as you're not out of bounds and the ball didn't touch the ground, you can bobble it for years. As long as you bobble eventually retain yards. possession of it. As, as long as you eventually control possession of it, it's a catch. Um, that's what happened on that catch. The ball never hits the ground. There, there's, unless they come out with some replay. Like I'm willing to admit that it's not a catch if you can prove to me it's not a catch. But the ball never hits the ground. But beyond that, I, the, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers have, have just ruined my life as a Cowboys fan, year in and year out, and I hate them so much, and. The fact that I'm excited to play them terrifies me, but I'm so excited to fucking play the Green Bay Packers this week. We're going to fucking kill them. Like, Micah Parsons is going to end Aaron Rodgers' career this weekend. Like, I am so freaking pumped up. Like, Alan Lazard's fucking trash. Like, we may pick these motherfuckers off seven times. Like, Micah Parsons may have 14 sacks. Demarcus Lawrence may kill Aaron Jones. Like... There's so many things I'm looking forward to here. Like, I'm I'm like frothing at the mouth to just go and beat the dog shit out of this Packers team. I mean, if the Cowboys beat the Packers this this week, they're 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 essentially done. There's no way they can come back from this. Like, they would have to basically win out, and at the same time, Cowboys, Giants, Seattle, 49ers and Eagles would have to lose like six games going down the stretch for them to make the playoffs. Like this is the nail in the coffin. This is the end for Aaron Rodgers. And if the Cowboys can be that team to end his career, I, I don't care if he goes to the AFC next year and wins five fucking Super Bowls for another team. I don't care. I want to put the nail in the coffin for Aaron Rodgers as a Green Bay Packer, bury that motherfucker and say sayonara, bitch. You out of here with your ayahuasca. It's time. Dallas, I mean, this is it. Dallas, Dallas is putting this motherfucker in a hole, burying him six feet deep. Dallas, minus five, going to Green Bay this week. It's just, it's going to be the sweetest thing of my life.
It, we could lose every game of this season after this. If we bury Aaron Rodgers and put him in a hole that he can't come out of, like, and just have his career in Green Bay done forever, I, will, I could die a happy man. Yeah. Hey, I, I like that. Someone just me. please do it. Someone do it. Bears Nation. Bears Nation, get behind me. God damn, like it's gonna happen. <laughs> I hope so, I just, man. I turned my camera I off just, by accident, but it's, it's I, gonna my, happen. My main hope with them this year is that they still find a way to win enough games to not have too good of a draft pick. Yeah, I mean they can win out after the Cowboys beat them this weekend though. Uh, what would they go like nine and seven, nine and eight? Yeah, something no, like that. Nine and seven, something like that. But either way, it doesn't matter if they have a good draft pick. All the quarterbacks are gonna be gone. You don't have to worry. Like the Packers are the luckiest franchise in NFL history with quarterback luck. Um, they're never gonna get another quarterback again. Jordan Love is absolute trash. Unless they're picking in the top three, they're not getting a quarterback. So the best case scenario for the Packers is that they're constantly picking six to nine because they're always going to get somebody who's good, but they're never going to get a quarterback. But they're always going to think that, like, oh, this defensive back or this offensive lineman or this or that's going to change the franchise. And then they'll just be stuck in purgatory forever. That's the perfect place to be for the piece of shit Packers. And I can't wait to see them just waller in misery. Like, I don't, I've never met anybody from Green Bay. My hate for the Packers just comes from people that hate the Cowboys. They're not even Packers fans. They're just Cowboys haters that like dick ride the Packers because the Packers always beat the Cowboys. And like, they just revel in Cowboys losses. And then I'll ask them anything about the Packers. They don't know what the fuck's going on. So it just drives me absolutely insane. You may have, you being from Chicago, you may have a, a little bit different feel, but the the Packers fans that I encounter in Texas yeah. are the absolute worst people in the world. And I want nothing but misery for them for the rest of their lives. See, actually from being up there, I've probably, I've just probably met so many more Packers fans than you. Cause like I've met some really, really, football intelligent Packers fans who are fine to talk to and like, you know, respect the game and they're not jerks. I met some who are just absolute assholes. So like, yeah. yeah I mean, most of the people I follow, like most of the people that I know that are Packers fans, they don't know anything about the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. They just, they're just, they're just not Cowboys fans. So they choose to be a Packers fan. And then the Packers always win. They want to like shove it down your throat. And I'm like, you know, nothing like, Prime example, I will I will call this dude out by name, Marshall Martin. If you're listening to this, he was two years older than me. He graduated the class 2009 from Brady, Texas High School. This motherfucker tried telling me that the year Demarcus Lawrence led the league in sacks, that he didn't lead the league in sacks, or not Demarcus Lawrence. Fuck. Demarcus Ware. Led the league in sacks when he didn't lead the league in sacks. And uh, who who is that? Who's that blonde head kid they had over there at Green Bay at the time? Uh, Matthews. Yeah, Clay Matthews. He tried to tell me Clay Matthews led the league in sacks. I was like, no, he didn't. So I was like, and he said, yes, he did. And then he bet me a thousand dollars on it. 
and this was this was before Google was like readily available on smartphones. So like I went home and got on my fucking laptop, sent him the fucking screenshot, and then he just ignored me forever and didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. Just, just hated the Cowboys. Came back. Yeah, and like I called him out <laughs> on it multiple times, tried to fight him. He wouldn't fight me. Dude's a piece of shit. Um, anyway. Yeah, I mean, prime example. And all he did was, like, he, he knew nothing about the Packers and just would, every single week, talk talk shit to me about the Cowboys. And he was, like, half my size. I would have killed him. He was, like, two two years older than me. I would have I fucking dog-walked him. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, it fires me up talking about the Packers. I hate them so much, mainly because of him. So. It's nice to see the fire. They've mostly beat me into submission by now, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, if 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 there was an intelligent Packers fan that was like, "Oh yeah, I'm really proud of what we do." Like, when we play the Cowboys, I'm pretty confident, and like, he could just be like a level-headed guy. But like, no, all the Packers fans I know are just like the most obnoxious, outrageous, like people that know nothing about football. That just like, oh, Aaron Rodgers, like blowing loads everywhere. Like, the worst people I've ever encountered in my life. Sounds I hope like they get buried this weekend. Hope they get buried this weekend. All right, but, I get some college in. Yeah, let's get some college football. Um, going to last week, Georgia let me down, or no, Georgia didn't let me down. Uh, Tennessee let me down. Georgia, I said at the beginning of the year, Georgia might be the best team this time. I still have Ohio State win the national championship. I still think they're they're that good. But think about Tennessee. If I could have told you at the beginning of last week that you're the best thing that could happen for Tennessee, including beating Georgia, happened. And that was losing the best, the absolute best case scenario for Tennessee last week before the game was losing to Georgia and Alabama losing to LSU. Because that basically guarantees you a spot in the playoffs. Because if if you lose or if you beat Georgia and then you lose to LSU or Ole Miss in the SEC championship, you're out. You're not getting in. But now you're in and Georgia's basically in. So Alabama losing is the best thing that ever happened to you because you play one last game and you're in the college football playoff. So the absolute best thing that could happen for Tennessee going into last week was losing to Georgia and Alabama losing. And that's exactly what happened. So if you're a Tennessee fan, it sucks losing the way you did. You get fucking dog walked. You, I mean, you didn't look good. You got dominated from start to finish. But you're basically a shoe-in for the college football playoff right now. So, good on you, Tennessee. Welcome to the college football playoff. Everybody gets their first one, so I'm excited to see them there. But, and looking at the the top 25 for the college football playoff, it's Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Tennessee, Oregon. So, Georgia's one. They're going to stay one. Ohio State, Michigan are going to play. The other one's going to drop out. TCU's going to lose. And then, so there's two teams ahead of you that are basically guaranteed to lose. So you might be two 
But you, so you might not even have to play Georgia in the first round of the playoffs. That's how lucky you are. So the absolute best case scenario for Tennessee happened this weekend. And I'm excited for that. And I'm hoping we have a, I'm hoping we have a, a Georgia, Georgia Pac-12, like Georgia, I guess we already saw Georgia, Oregon. I don't know. I think Georgia's going to be everybody at this point, but I don't know. I just want to see Ohio State, Tennessee more than anything. I don't care if it's in the semifinals. I don't care if it's in the national championship. But I want I want to see I want to see Ohio State, Tennessee. I just want to see yeah, that so bad. I want to see that yeah, so bad. So I'm hoping somehow Ohio State ends at two, Tennessee ends at three, and it's probably gonna be Georgia, Oregon again. But if it's not Georgia, Oregon, it's gonna be Georgia, Tennessee. So it's probably gonna be a rematch for Georgia either way. So just make it Oregon. And let Tennessee play Ohio State and give the people what they want. Like, do it for the people. Do it for the people. But let's move on to this week's picks. I'll let you go through yours real quick, then I'll go through my one, my one yeah. singular pick. Notre Dame versus Navy over forty-one and a half. Notre Dame has gone over only forty-four percent of the time this year, but th- this is a low number this week at forty-one and a half. Meanwhile, Navy's gone over 63% of the time this year. So between that and the math check on my numbers, on PFF's numbers, I like this bet. Um, So I'm taking over 41 and a half in Notre Dame versus Navy. Moving on, LSU versus Arkansas. Give me the under 64. LSU's gone under 63% of their games this year. Arkansas has gone under 75% of their games this year. 64 is a big number. This is probably getting boosted a little by uh, the game against Bama last week. Maybe LSU's offense is that good, but I don't know. I like the under 64 here. South Carolina going to Florida. Give me South Carolina plus eight. South Carolina's covered 63% of their games. Florida covering 50% of their games. This one's a little less confident. being that 50-50 spot for Florida and with Florida being at home in the swamp. But I've, I've just done well with South Carolina this year. That this, uh, excuse me, I've done well with South Carolina this year. And so I'm just going to keep that train rolling. And then last game, Rutgers going into Michigan State to take it to Mel Tucker, 10 and a half point dogs. Let's Michigan State has failed to cover on 50% of their games this year. It's got away Rutgers, Rutgers covered 43%, which ain't great, but neither is Mel Tucker. So give me the Rutgers. Mel Tucker, who notoriously said whenever he was at Colorado that people willy-nilly transferring schools is the worst thing to happen to college football. And the transfer portal is absolutely the worst thing to ever happen to college football. Only to leave Colorado like six weeks later, go to Michigan State and build the greatest roster or build the greatest turnaround we've seen in about 15 years with nothing but transfers and going to get guys like Kenneth Walker and so many other guys to go 11 and two. Um, it's just hysterically one of the, one of the greatest things like to just go out there and outwardly say what's ruining college football only to turn around and be the number one benefactor for it. Not even six months later <laughs> was hysterical. Um, 
But yeah, I love Rutgers, Piscataway, New Jersey stand up boys. Um, all right, here we are again. We've been here time and time again, TCU. You're not good. I think you're good, but you're not good. Once again, you win a game where you hurt the starting quarterback. Seven games now in a row where the starting quarterback goes out. Um, you've been a Texas Tech team who's who's not good. Texas Tech's not a good team. And it took everything you had to beat them. Beat them by 10 points. You may, you may look at the box score and be like, oh, well, I beat them by double digits. Like, yeah, but did you really? And it, it took everything you had to beat an Oklahoma State team on, on a backup quarterback and a Kansas State team on a backup quarterback. But you, you got Texas this week and you got Baylor next week. And th- this is this is where your fairy tale ends. I'm sorry, TCU. Um, because... If you go out there and you and you hurt Quinn Ewers, Hudson Card is absolutely going to light you up. Unless you go out and hurt Hudson Card, and then if if you hurt both Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers, you got you got a real chance. But Texas is going to put it on you this week. Uh, I, Texas minus seven. I I think I think that's just easy money. I think so many people are going to be on this TCU line, undefeated TCU, a, a Texas team who's been up and down all year. Uh, I, I I think this is, I think this line's screaming to take. I think this line's screaming to take TCU, and you got to take Texas here. Quinn Ewers is going to absolutely light this team up. TCU is not good. They everything everything has fallen for TCU, in just about every game they've had. They're just as close to being like a two win football team as they are to being undefeated right now, which. I mean, I guess you are as good as your record says you are, but they could they could just as easily be like two and seven as they are not a no or whatever their record is. So yeah, give me Texas minus seven here. Uh, the wheels got to fall off at some point, and I think it's here. There's a very real chance I'm gonna jump on this with you. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe they hurt Quinn Ewers. Maybe they hurt I, Hudson Card. I wa- I watched that whole Tech TCU game, and I was not impressed with TCU. Yeah, but I mean, they're not good. I mean, they didn't look. They haven't looked good in one of their wins outside of OU. And OU is a completely different team since you played them. Like, I don't know what OU is like going through some shit when you whenever you beat the brakes off them, but. Like you didn't look good against a backup quarterback against Kansas. You didn't look good against a backup quarterback against Kansas State. You didn't look good against a backup quarterback at uh, Oklahoma State. Like you just play backup quarterbacks week to week. You don't look good, and you get the win. And it's like, yeah, you keep winning, but like. It's not real. It doesn't look good. It's not impressive. And eventually, your your luck of knocking out a starting quarterback is going to end eventually. But Hudson Card is far and away. Like, I'm, I'm betting this, assuming Hudson Card's going to play. And I think Hudson Card can beat you by 14 points. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm, I think I'm jumping on this with you. I'll put it out on the Twitter, but... Most likely jumping on it. So yeah, Texas minus seven. Hook them, bitches. Oof. I don't know if I'll go that far. 
<laughs> it's not basketball season yet. That's what, right. That's the one we wanted. Horns down. Saw them off, baby. Horns down. All right. Well, I think that's going to be about it. Unless you got anything else you want to throw in. Justin Fields, greatest quarterback in the history of football. Yeah. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer already. Hall of Famer. We had a lot of Hall of Fame speeches today. We're going to put Justin Fields in the Hall of Fame? Yep. Already. Put him in. Put him in. Lock Justin Fields, Matt Stafford. Justin Fields, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, Hall of Fame. Lock it up. Don't sleep on the lines, boys. <laughs> I do not endorse that statement. Adios.